So if you would stand with me as we read God's word together today, Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. You may be seated. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray once more. Lord, as we look at your word today, I pray that you would speak mightily to us, that you are a compassionate Lord that touches the unclean. Lord, that you would speak in your word uh, beyond my limited voice today. Um, Lord, that you would speak louder than I speak, that you would transcend my preparation and my wisdom. Lord, that you would give us your wisdom today. Lord, that we would understand that we, we like the leper, are unclean and in desperate need of you to intervene in our lives. And may we depend on you to do so. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, for our kids, so one of the things we do in an effort to, of discipleship here at Redemption Church is on the first and third Sunday of every month, we have our kids in Kids Church learning the same things that we're learning in here. So they get some age-appropriate teaching and songs and games. But we also want them in here worshiping with mom and dad and, and with us. And so we have kid bulletins for them. And so if you've got a kid bulletin today, specifically, I want you to look at the very last page. So everybody, kids, can you hold up your bulletin for me? If you look at the very last page, you'll see a maze there. If you can work through that maze, or you can put them down. If you can work through that maze, I'm going to call on you kids at the end to tell me what the answer is on the very last page to that sentence. So you've got to do the maze right and fill in the letters to get the right answer. And what that's going to do is give us a little more information out of the mark version of the mark account of the story that we're going to look at today. All right, so you guys can work on that while you're listening, and you can work on the rest of that Kids Bulletin too, but if you'll make sure to get that last page done so I can call on you at the end. In, in Hawaii, many, many years ago, there was someone named Father Damien. Father Damien uh, went to work amongst a leper colony in Hawaii, and he would often start his sermons with brothers, my brethren, and he went knowing and understanding the way that he approached it was different than the way a lot of the other missionaries approached. He did this in a very kind of incarnational way. He lived amongst the lepers. He, was, he, would, embrace, he would embrace them physically. He would eat with them. He went in knowing that eventually he would as well become a leper. And so one day when he did, he no longer started his sermon, My Brethren, He started it with, we lepers. And it meant a lot to the lepers to know that someone cared enough about them to be willing to even go through the things that they are going through. In our story today, Jesus came amongst us. But we we look at this story, and one of the things we've got to understand when we read this story is we, like Father Damien, can say, we lepers. 
The first thing for us to understand and on your bulletin, adults on the back there, there's some fill in the blanks for you, is that we line up with the leper condemned and unclean. We see in the first verse a couple of things. When, when he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And then in the beginning of the second verse, and behold, a leper came to him. So I want to look at these two ideas that he was amongst great crowds. Why was he amongst great crowds? Well, before Easter, we spent a good amount of time going through the Sermon on the Mount here. And so he's just finished preaching the Sermon on the Mount in chapters 5 through 7. He's concluded that. He's descending down from preaching the Sermon on the Mount. And in the midst of that, he is, he is approached by a leper. Now, we need to understand some things about leprosy, and we need to understand some things about the Sermon on the Mount in order to see why we, lepers, line up with this leper. One, some of the implications of being a leper, other than the medical issues that you dealt with, which we are, we're not exactly sure which form of leprosy this man has. We know that it's bad because in Luke's account, as a physician, he writes that he was full of leprosy. And so we, in this time, they would use the word leprosy for any sort of major skin disease. And because of that skin disease, you were ceremonially unclean. So you were unable to enter into the building in which they conducted worship. But you were also a social outcast. You weren't allowed really to fraternize with others. You had to stay away from everyone, even to the point that you had to announce unclean, unclean, unclean anytime you went amongst people that didn't have leprosy to give them a heads up. Because, and here's why you had to do that. If a leper were to accidentally bump into you, you were to accidentally touch a leper, you were now also considered ceremonially unclean and have to go through certain rituals and processes to be considered allowed back into the synagogue. And so they had to announce it for everyone's benefit that they were coming near. In our Bible study group this morning, we were talking about what it would it be like if you had to have your deepest and darkest sins portrayed on your t-shirt or on a sign like some judges make shoplifters do on the corner and things like that. But, but really, here's where I want to think, even more than shoplifting, like the deepest, darkest, worst thing you've ever done or thoughts you've ever had. What if you had to just wear a t-shirt that said that, that broadcasted that, and then every time you started a conversation, you had to start a conversation with, let me tell you about something I did one time. Let me tell you about something I thought. Or, or even really, because that allows us to disassociate and think about things we did when we were young and immature. But I would challenge, and I've said this before, I don't think I would have a single volunteer if I were to tell you I have an invention that I can plug into your ear and now I can portray every dark thought you've had this week on the screen. Right? If I were to do that, I don't think there would be a single volunteer. If I forced you, or if I did, vol- or if you made you, or if you volunteered, and that went on the screen, relationships would be a little different from that point on, wouldn't they? Because we all, listen, we need, to, we need to get, when we look at this story, we all stand condemned and unclean. And how do we know that? Well, we, when we look at the Sermon on the Mount, we can see that, and we'll, as we'll look later on. Leprosy was, in the Old Testament, linked to sin. As we look at, in in this culture, it was this idea of God's judgment of sin being manifest in a physical form. Moses' sister 
Miriam was struck with leprosy because of rebellion against Moses' authority. Elisha's servant, Gehazi, struck with leprosy when he sought to abuse Elisha's ministry for personal and material gain. King Uzziah was struck when he pridefully disobeyed God in a form of worship. To see how we are lepers like this man and Father Damien, we need only to look back at the sermon that Jesus just concluded. Right? When we look at that sermon, he gives us an impossible bar to attain. In Matthew 5, 48, he says, You therefore must be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. As we talked about that in the Sermon on the Mount, that word perfect means complete, in complete righteousness, which is only attained in the blood of Jesus Christ. In James chapter 2, verse 10, Jesus' half-brother says, For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. So let's review just some of the thoughts out of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus tells us that righteousness must exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees in chapter 5, verse 20. He tells us, he goes through the law of Moses kind of point by point and shows you that not only is it wrong for you to be angry, but I mean for you to kill people, for murder people, but really the same thing when we have anger in our heart. Over the weekend, some tragic, horrible things have gone down in our country, in Charlottesville. In this, in this overt display of white supremacy and racism, we see, we see people waving Nazi flags and calling themselves proud Americans and not seeing the irony of those two together. We see it manifested in this way that, that most of us probably don't relate to. Leprosy is like this physical manifestation of the ugliness of what is inside of us. When we see that on the news, it's very easy for all of us to go, man, that's ugly and that's horrible and that is nothing to do with what it is to be an American or a follower of Christ especially, right? Well, what if when, what if when we looked in the mirror we saw the same ugliness in our souls. Maybe not manifested in the same exact way. Maybe, maybe, maybe we're not dealing with that specific issue. But listen, leprosy became this like biblical tale of what's really inside of us. This uncleanness. See, in the beginning there where it says when he came down from the mountain, it's almost verbatim in the same way of when, when Moses came down from the mountain with the Ten Commandments. But if you know that story well, you know Moses came down twice, right? If you were in Bible study group this morning, you looked at the first time that Moses came down from the mountain and what had happened while he was up there 40 days and 40 nights. As you were in Bible study group, you learned that what happened was that Moses comes down and they have now turned to worshiping an idol, an engraved, a a molded idol of gold, of a golden calf. And that idolatry in their hearts is what made them unclean. But see, when we look at the story of the the Sermon on the Mount, we look at Jesus' teaching of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus descends from the mountain, but this time he has the power to do something. See, when Moses descends, God's wrath wants to come down on their idolatry, but Moses stands in as their mediator. But see, here's what's so great about Jesus. This is why the whole time we were looking at the Old Testament together, we looked at how it pointed to Jesus. When we look at this story, when Jesus comes down the mountain, he is the God and the mediator. 
The Bible tells us there's one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. And he's the only one that has the authority and the power to cleanse leprosy and sin in our lives. And so we look at these laws of Moses. We, we know we're not to murder. But he says, but have you been angry in your heart? For it's the same thing. We know not to commit adultery, but have we had lust in our eyes and our hearts? For it's the same thing. See, Father Damien didn't know that he had, had contracted leprosy until he was going to take a scalding bath to, to purify himself. Uh, of germs because of some things he had done he needed to cleanse and so they had this scalding bath and when he put his foot in that scalding bath he didn't feel anything and as soon as that happened he knew that he had what we call Hansen's disease or leprosy because the nerve endings were dead and he couldn't feel what was going on and that's when he decided to start his next sermon with we lepers see we may not understand how unclean we are until we enter into the purifying word of the teaching of Jesus Christ. When we look at the Sermon on the Mount and we step into that purifying word, quite the opposite of Father Damien, we will see that we don't measure up. You cannot read the Sermon on the Mount and come out of that going, I feel like I match up pretty good. Everyone under that teaching, has to understand how desperately they need God to stand in for them. And when we look at the ugliness of this world, we should rebuke it, but we should also look in on ourselves and rebuke the evil that is coming up within us. Martin Luther said, our hearts are idol-making factories. Much like the Israelites, we love to take the things that we value most And worship them rather than God. And turn to them rather than God. Jesus, towards the end of his sermon, ends with this idea that we can build our lives through his teaching on the rock of of obedience to his teaching or on the sands of our own self-sufficiency. That we can either stand on what he has taught us and, and be with a firm foundation because when the storm comes, and hear me clearly, the storm will come that we will be able to stand firmly on that rock, or we can stand on our own power, on our own strength, on our own ability, and know that we have built our lives and our houses on sand. And when the storm comes, and listen, it will come, the, the, the key part in that story is the storm comes for both, right? But if the storm comes and you stand on your own, you will fall. But when you stand with Jesus, you stand on a steady rock in that teaching, in that Sermon on the Mount. So the Sermon on the Mount shows us that all of us are in desperate need of God's grace and compassion as our great high priest alone can help us because we, like the leper, are unclean and outside of the camp. See, the leper was forced outside of the synagogue, outside of the camp. And until, listen to me, until Jesus intervenes and mediates for you like Moses did in Exodus, you stand unclean alone, isolated, outside of the camp. We lepers can learn some lessons from our fellow leper in the story today, but we first must line up with the leper, condemned and unclean. When we do that, here are four lessons we can get from the leper. The first one is he is broken and bold. Now broken, I say he's broken because you you see how desperate he is. 
Can you imagine what it must be like? Everywhere you go, for no one to want anything to do with you. For the only place that maybe you have any semblance of community is in a leper colony where everyone else is miserable and dying. And so anytime you go out in public, if you want to visit your family, if you want to visit your loved ones, if you want to go back to where you grew up, (coughs) you will find everyone distancing themselves from you. From our middle school teachers and middle school staff, middle school was like the worst years of anyone's life. Or at least maybe it was mine. Right? Middle schoolers go through such a difficult time as they're, they're, they're changing, they're learning who they are, they're figuring out social things. They're, but they're, this is where you really, I mean, the, the isolation and bullying kind of happens in elementary school, but we really see it intensify in middle school. I, now, maybe, maybe I'm speaking from pain here, and so I'm exaggerating. For me, middle school was the worst years of my life. I was so, look, I was so... So isolated and picked up. I went to a, I changed schools in middle school and I, I went to this little bitty redneck high school in the, in the boonies. And in this middle school, I, you have to understand, I loved art. My mom's an artist and so I grew up loving fine art and theater. I loved soccer, um, jazz music, all things I still love. But if you go to that particular middle school and those are the things that you love, you are not looked upon well. And I was 4 foot 11 and 85 pounds up until the 11th grade because of the massive amounts of Ritalin that were required to keep me in one spot. And so I got pushed down so much, I remember deciding not to walk on sidewalks, but to walk on the grass Because when you get pushed down to the grass, it doesn't hurt as bad as when you get pushed down on sidewalks. But I can't imagine, that that pales in comparison to what it must be like to be a leper. Where where there's there's no community, there's no home. This is what we love about church, right? That we get to, not. I hope, I hope that church isn't just about preaching for you. It's one that's a lot of pressure on me, but two, that's, it's not enough. We need community. We all desire community. We all desire to be loved. We all desire to have people care about us. Now, Jesus wasn't alone. Jesus was in a great crowd. As a matter of fact, right before the Sermon on the Mount, word's getting out that he's healing people, and so this huge crowd is coming around him. So he, that's just why he goes up on top of a mountain. He goes up on top of this mountain, and he preaches this powerful, unbelievable message. And as he's coming down, the brokenness that would have, you would have to have to lead to that boldness. See, here's the deal. This Wednesday night, we're starting a steps recovery class. And here's why. So many of us are broken in so many areas. And this class that we're starting Wednesday night is for people who are broken and know they're broken, for people who are broken and don't even realize it yet, and for people who are broken and love somebody that's broken. But here's what I've seen in my life, particularly with addictions. Until you're broken... You'll do nothing about it. I mean, you'll say some things, right? You'll say, this is the last time. I'm never going to do it again. I'm done. But until you're truly broken from it, 
You won't take bold steps in your life. And we see this leper is so broken that he's bold enough to enter into not just public, but great multitudes. And just picture it in your mind as everyone backs away from him. If he's announcing, I don't know if he's announcing unclean, unclean as he's walking or not. But even if he's not, probably others are murmuring it as they step away, as they pull their children back or shield their eyes. And then Jesus, Jesus doesn't back away. Listen, you may have things going on in your life that if I were to broadcast it on this screen, you would make sure you change zip codes. And you're scared to death. Listen, I know for a fact, some of you are scared to death of being found out in your sin. You can approach Jesus broken and bold. And he won't back away. He won't shun you. Compassionately, he intervenes. He mediates in the midst of our uncleanness. As a matter of fact, when we think back to the Sermon on the Mount, it started, Jesus' opening lines in Matthew 5, 3 through 6, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. We, in the beginning, throughout the entire teaching of the Sermon on the Mount and in the series here, we talked about the awareness of our spiritual brokenness and bankruptcy was the first step to being reconciled with God. Our own awareness of our spiritual brokenness and bankruptcy is step one to being reconciled with God. And we see that in the Sermon on the Mount. We see that displayed in the brokenness and boldness of this leper. Because he's mourning. Mourning over sin is this not well represented in our unnamed brother today as he is grieving as he comes to Jesus and worships him. He is meek and hungry for Christ to make such a bold move. He does not desire just to be cleansed of his disease, but the social and religious implications as well. He uses the word cleanse. He doesn't use the word heal. He says, doesn't just say, Jesus, will you get rid of my consequences? Will you get rid of my struggles? He says, Jesus, will you cleanse me? Because to be declared cleansed meant you were no longer outside of the camp. It meant you could be in the camp again. You could be with your loved ones again. You could be in the synagogue again. He knows that only Christ has the ability to do this, though. And so he is confident, on your outline, confident in Christ alone. In verses 2 and 3, he says, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. He is confident that it is only Christ that can do this. Going back to the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew six nineteen through 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust uh, destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In, in our Bible study groups this morning, we talked about, in, in mine at least, what, what do we turn to, right? What do we turn to when we don't see God at work, when, when we see things going on and we're struggling? What do we turn to? 
And we turn to whatever we treasure. And whatever we treasure is where our heart is. And this is what you need to understand, is that we are constantly, like, like we said, Martin Luther says, making idols in our hearts. We're constantly holding treasure that is anything other than Christ. And when we do that, we are holding those things in a form of idolatry. And this is what makes us unclean. And so when we realize that it is Christ alone that can bring us what we desire, we will turn to him more than anything else. Because he is God, Jesus has the power to heal. Because he is God, and he is a good God, he has the compassion to heal him by touching him. We see in the next healing, he has the authority to heal with just a word. But in this one, we see he has the compassion to do it with a touch. This is interesting, too, when you look at the Sermon on the Mount. When it gets to the teaching of the law of Moses, uh, Jesus does something that nobody else can do. He'll say, you have heard it said what I say. Right? Nobody else can do that. When they talked about Jesus, people would often say, he spoke with an authority unlike the scribes and the Pharisees. And so this isn't the first time they've heard someone expound on the scriptures, but this is the first time that someone has done it with the authority of being able to interpret it the way that he does. No one else can read the scriptures. I can't read the scriptures and say, you have heard it said, but I say But Jesus can. See, when you look at Leviticus chapter 13 and 14, and you read the details of what has to happen for someone in leprosy, in Leviticus 13, we see all these things that set them outside of the camp, how they have to announce that they're unclean. But in Leviticus 14, we see the response to when one is healed, although we have no record of a Jewish person being healed from leprosy in the Old Testament. We have one king, King Naaman. We have no record of a Jewish person being healed, but there's this whole elaborate process spelled out. But one of the biggest things was you never touch a leper, which is why they have to announce unclean, unclean. But Jesus says, you have heard it said that lepers are untouchable. But I say, I can heal him with a touch. This is why this is important for you. You have heard it said, don't share your junk with other people. Because they'll judge you and disown you. But Jesus says, come to me, you who are heavy and weary, heavy burdened and weary. You've heard it said, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps and do it in your own strength because you can fix it. But Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one will get the eternal reward of heaven with the Father without me. You've heard it said that these sins are the worst sins. These are what we really ought to judge. These are what we ought to hail as the worst things in the world. But Jesus says, if you've broken one of them, you've broken them all, and you all stand condemned unclean unless the blood of Jesus washes you. You have heard it said in your own head and in your own heart that you're not worth it, that you don't deserve it. That if people really knew who you were, if they really knew, they wouldn't accept you. You have heard it said in your own voice that you are untouchable, unforgivable. But Jesus, Jesus says, I can get rid of the shame, the guilt, the power of the sin in your lives, and I will compassionately, with my arms open wide, receive you and adopt you as my child. You have heard it said that you have no family, you have no belonging. 
But Jesus says, I want you as mine. And I have a future for you. When we put our complete confidence in Christ, we place ourselves in a position of dependence. The leper is also dependent, not demanding. He doesn't come and demand to be healed. He just declares what he believes in his confidence that, Lord, if you will, if you will, you can heal me. He comes understanding his position of dependence. So often we desire a relationship with Jesus of interdependence. Where he's my co-pilot and we're working together. Jesus is not your co-pilot. He's the pilot, the Wright brothers who invented the plane and the plane itself. And you ought to be grateful that you get to sit in the plane. We need to approach Jesus in a position of dependence. And the leper does this in Jesus' sermon on the mount. In Matthew 6.33, he says, But seek first the kingdom of God as righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. The final lesson for us to learn today from the leper is his posture of worship as he approaches Jesus in kneeling and worships as he leaves. And he's charged with worship. He worships on the way, worshiping on the way. In verse 2, we see that he comes and he kneels. The word there, proskuneo, kneel in adoration and deep respect. And he leaves charged with worship. In the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 16 and 17, it says, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So we see that Jesus gives him an interesting command to go to the priest. He's commanded to worship rightly according to the law, to go to the priest and and show himself to the priest. But we'll look more at that in a minute. So what do we do? Getting to the bottom bottom half of our outline, we cast, cast your cares on Christ, broken and bold. One of my favorite verses in all of Scripture, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Here's what you got to get. So the, the lepers were not allowed into the synagogue because... You couldn't allow anything unholy anywhere near the presence of God. And so not only were the lepers not allowed in the synagogue, there was really even in the temple, right, these layers. And we've talked about this before. Hebrews talks about it a lot. There are these layers kind of of acceptance almost and holiness. And so you had to get through each level of these courts to get in. And then into the middle of the middle, there was the Holy of Holies. And one day a year, the high priest, after going through extensive, extensive rituals of a atonement, on the day of atonement, could enter into the actual presence of God, into the Holy of Holies. But everyone else was so scared of what it would be like for them to enter into the presence, they'd tie a rope around his ankle so that if he died, they could just drag him out because nobody else was going in. But Hebrews teaches us that all that complicated system is simplified in the cross. There's no longer a day of atonement, but a man, Jesus Christ. And so, 
think through the fear. Listen, let's think through the levels real quick. Think through the fear, even of the man who tied the rope around the high priest, who held that rope. There's got to be this level of fear of the Holy of Holies as you're holding that rope and you're waiting to see if that guy dies in there or not. And then even the next level out of the temple, just these fears of, I, I wouldn't be so bold as to enter into the Holy of Holies, right? And then much less a leper who's not even allowed in the camp, much less the synagogue. And understand, in this story, who are we? We are the leper. Not even, a, not, not, not even allowed in the temple, not even allowed in the camp where the temple is because we can't get anywhere near the presence and the holiness of God. What Hebrews tells us here, what the story of Jesus compassionately healing, cleansing this leper with touch tells us is what Hebrews tells us, that we can approach with boldness and confidence the throne of grace. So listen, on one side of the story, I do want you to investigate and look in and see what are the idols that you still hold on to in your heart? What is the uncleanness in your mind and heart and soul that needs to be confessed and cleansed? But then without fear, with confidence and with boldness, we can approach Jesus, much like the leper did in this story. And we can say, Lord, I know you can do it. We have to understand that that confidence is in Christ alone. First Peter 5, 6 and 7. Humble yourselves, therefore. So we are bold yet humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. So boldly and confidently cast your cares on the Lord. So we don't turn to all other counsel. We don't turn to chocolate. We don't turn to money. We don't turn to coffee, to vices, to drinks, to drugs, to whatever else you decide to turn to with your anxieties and your cares to numb it for a little while, even, even too much time in front of the TV just to numb away the realness of your world. We boldly and we confidently Cast our cares and our anxieties on Christ alone. Confident that He alone, listen, confident that He alone can do it. All those other things may temporarily relieve you of the feeling of what's going on. But He alone can actually take it away. He alone can cleanse you of your uncleanness. And we can be bold as we approach Him, not worried. But we can enter into his presence boldly. And Christ alone can, can, can cleanse completely. Understand immediately, immediately the leper was cleansed. So everyone watching this multitude that stepped back, that probably gasped as soon as Jesus reached out to touch him. They couldn't imagine that Jesus would do something so horrible as to touch a leper. And they gasped, but immediately, immediately his eyes go from yellow to white. Immediately, his hand goes from this weird gripped claw to stretched out. The rashes and the sores all over him are gone immediately. Not progressively, immediately. And then he's instructed to go to the priest. The process in Leviticus 14 that he's instructed to do is this extensive, elaborate 
eight-day process that starts with him outside of the camp, getting shaved completely, burning his clothes. They take two birds. They take some cedar wood, some hyssop, just like from the Passover, a scarlet thread. They kill one bird over a bowl of water from a running source like a river. And then they dip the other bird and the cedar and the red scarlet thread and the hyssop all in that blood and water. They put it on his right lobe, his right big toe. This whole process. And then seven days later, he's to appear before the priest again and be shaved again. And now we kill larger, more expensive animals as a sacrifice. And it's this whole huge process of worship to atone for his sins and to declare him clean before the people. And so Jesus has given him this process, but he's cleansed him already. And he sends him to the priest to be declared what's already true. Here's what we need to get. Is, is the opposite almost somewhat is true for us. And here's what I mean by that. When we become a child of God, we are instantly declared. Right? So the, the leper is progressively declared. He has to go through this whole process to be declared clean. We are instantly declared righteous. For there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Instantly justified is the word. Everybody say justified. We're instantly justified, but we are progressively sanctified. See, he is instantly cleansed of all the appearance of sin in his life, in that leprosy, but then progressively declared. The opposite is true for us. We are instantly declared righteous, but we are in a process of being transformed more and more into the image of Christ as we submit to him. See, even Father Damien was no perfect saint. There's a whole great controversy with Father Damien, if you research him, after he died, he was hailed so highly that uh, a, a, another minister in Hawaii that, that knew him wrote a scathing letter about all of his faults to a friend. And the friend rebuked him and reminded him, yeah, we all have faults. But we've all been declared righteous as children of God, those who have given their lives to Christ. None of us are perfect saints today, and we must constantly put ourselves in these positions. We must be dependent, not demanding. John 15, 4 says, Jesus says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. We are in no position to demand anything from Jesus. We, even in our progressive sanctification, even in our spiritual growth, we are dependent on Jesus. It is not our own willpower that will make us more righteous in our action. It is the power of the the transforming power of the gospel and the transforming power of his word. That is what if we submit ourselves to the transforming power of God's word, we will be transformed more into his image. And worshiping on the way, we are called to do this in worship. Hebrews 12, 28 and 29. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken And thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. We need to understand, one, that we are unclean, two, that we are in desperate need of Jesus to cleanse us, and that we come to him confident, bold, dependent, and worshiping. Now, Now, Jesus had instructed this man to go to the priest 
And Matthew doesn't tell us what the young man does. But if we look at the account in Mark, which the kid's bulletin is based off of, we see. So kids, do you have your bulletin, that last page? Have you guys figured out the answer on that last page? All right, I got it on the screen then so we can all read it together. So everybody, all of us read it together. Kids, I want you to be the loudest. Y'all ready? One, two, three. The man out and immediately began to spread the news. See, we see in the, in the account of Mark that we see in the account of Mark that this man didn't listen to what Jesus said. But here's what I want you to get from this is Jesus, this, this is a form of disobedience because why did Jesus not want him to do it? Mark tells us that Jesus' ministry was not just to be a healing ministry. And here's what I, why I need us to go back to this idea of cleansing. Jesus did not want to just be known for cleansing physical illness. Now, can Jesus? Obviously, as we continue on in the gospel of Matthew, there is multiple healings, next a centurion slave, then Peter's mother-in-law, and on and on and on and on. And he has the authority and the power to do so. But listen, here's what we so do so often. This is what Jesus was trying to combat against. We so often just want Jesus to give us a blessing in our lives for what we think we need and not willing to submit ourselves completely for eternity. Or are willing to trust him for eternity, but not our daily needs. And what Jesus wants, listen to me, is to be the Lord of all of your life. Not just healing your physical struggles, not just for you to cast your anxieties and worries and burdens on him, but for you to realize you are spiritually unclean. You are outside of the camp. And so... I prefer, in some way, the leper's bold disobedience to our disobedience. But in a sense, think about this. The leper was told to tell no one, and he goes and tells everyone. We have been told to go tell everyone, and we so often tell no one. So here's what we do. One, like the Sermon on the Mount, like the leper, we recognize our spiritual bankruptcy and brokenness. We recognize. We all stand on level ground here. We lepers are unclean and condemned. We boldly approach the throne of grace with confidence in Christ alone, dependent on the grace of Jesus Christ. We can find freedom, cleansed from the leprosy of our sin, worshiping on our way to the throne and worshiping on our way to others. So whatever uncleanness you come in here with today, I challenge you to approach the throne boldly, confidently, that he alone can cleanse you. All these other things that you desire to use to numb, numb it away or, or, or just transfer it to something else are never going to work completely. But it'll be Jesus alone that can cleanse you. So listen, every one of us, none of us, just like the Sermon on the Mount, none of us are exempt here. So as we close, I want you to ask God to reveal to you idolatry in your heart the uncleanness that needs to be submitted to Jesus. And if for the very first time or the thousandth time, turn it over to Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that we would heed 
your instructions in your sermon. That we would seek first your kingdom and righteousness and let you add on the rest. Lord, that you would make us aware of our uncleanness, that we are ceremonially, religiously unclean. Lord, that we would approach you with boldness, with confidence, dependent on your grace, not interdependent, also holding up our good works, but that we would find freedom from the things that master us. Lord, that if there are those in here today that are mastered by addictions, mastered by anxieties, that they would be able to cast those on you and be cleansed by you.